Thanks for tuning in to the Heartland Message Podcast. Feel free to reach out with any questions and visit us online at weareheartland.us to find out more about all of our ministries and upcoming events. Since we don't have the video to show, uh, after all. Uh, Ashley, as she was praying, said um, she prayed for the people who are watching or tuning in at home, for those of you who are in your car, and I'm pretty sure she actually said those who are sitting in parking lots. Um, was that just me? Did I hear her say those who are in Is anyone in a parking lot right now? I don't, I don't know. Um, all right, well, I am so excited to continue the I Am series uh, with you that we've been in for the last couple of weeks. Uh, I was thinking to myself, I, I kind of got excited because I thought, man, we don't have a 1045 service today. I guess that means I can teach for a really long time, right? This is like the final service for the day. So I could just stay here for a long time digging into this amazing passage of Scripture with you. And, um, but I promise I won't do that. Uh, before we get into the teaching, though, I have to make a quick uh, comment. This struck me as funny. Uh, my mom and dad came uh, into town this weekend visiting from Ohio. And I had asked my parents, I was like, I don't know if you've ever seen me teach in person. Of course, they will watch online and tune in that way and things. But because they live in Ohio and I'm here, they, I don't know that they've ever gotten to see me teach live. Because when they have come to be here, it's either a, a video teaching that we've done or Dugan teaches. And of course, my mom's like so many of you and she gets us mixed up and she's like, oh, honey, that was such a great teaching. And I'm like... Mom, that was Dugan. And she's like, who's Dugan? I thought that was you up there. No. Uh, but so today, as, as I'm so uh, obviously aware that you're all watching online, there are two people in the room today. It's my mom and dad. So can we pull the camera shot back? Yeah, there we go. Let's give it up for my mom and dad. All right. Uh, thank you. This is going to, like, I'm going to get universal praise from 100% of the people at church today because it's just my mom and dad. So that's okay. That's great. Anyway, uh, real quick, if you're on the uh, online church platform, I want to encourage you to click on the Bible tab. Uh, when you do that, you're going to be able to pull up uh, scripture. Today we are going to be in John chapter 15. So you can click on the book, change it to John, click on the chapter, change that to 15, and then also click on the translation. I think the, the uh kind of default setting is the King James translation. I'm going to be reading the passage today out of the New International Version, the NIV. So if you want to click there and change that to the NIV, you're going to be able to follow along. But we've been in this series called I Am, which is simply an opportunity for us to take seven weeks leading up to Easter to look at the seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in the book of John. The, the um, kind of this is the, the Lent, Lenten uh, period leading up to Easter. And so for us, we want to focus in on Jesus and on who he is and on what he claimed about himself and what it means for us in our lives today. And so over the course of the last two weeks, we've talked about how Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, last weekend, we talked about how he is the light of the world. And today, we're actually going to skip the next four uh, I am statements, and we're going to go to Jesus' very last I am statement. Today we're going to skip over the next four. We're going to go to the very last one, and we're doing that intentionally because of what is going on in the world around us. Uh, at the end of Jesus' ministry, before he uh, begins Passion Week, he has an opportunity to share one last meal with his disciples. It's the meal that we commonly refer to as the Last Supper. And at this meal, Jesus tells his followers that he's leaving them, that he's going to be going away, and that they're not going to be able to come where he is going just yet. And so, of course, his followers are worried. They are filled with anxiety. They are, they are filled with questions around the unknown which would be coming towards them. 
And so Jesus, in the book of John, in chapters 14 through 17, gives us what we commonly refer to as the farewell discourse. The farewell discourse are the words that Jesus spoke into the lives of his closest friends as they were so bothered by this, as they were filled with worry and anxiety and fear. And this is the passage that I want us to look at today in light of what, what's going on in the world all around us. In John chapter 14, which begins the farewell discourse, he simply says, trust in God, trust also in me. And that's kind of the line that launches into this farewell discourse, which is going to apply to us so powerfully today. But as, as, as I said, we're going to be reading in John chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 1 there. We're going to read all the way down through verse 17. And so if you want to follow along with me here for this 17 verses, it's kind of a long extended passage. But then we're going to go back through and we're going to break it down. This is what we read. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches." If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. As we've been saying the last two weeks, every time Jesus uttered the words, ego and me, which are the the Greek words for I am, it was a complete shift in the Israelites' understanding. In this passage, again, this would be a radical departure from what his original listeners would have heard when he said these words. Because for the original hearers of of this statement, they understood the nation of Israel to be God's vine. That, 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 That was the true vine. They understood that the nation of Israel was God's vineyard. And all throughout the Old Testament documents, all throughout the law and the prophets and the books of history, God himself refers to Israel as his vineyard. And yet here, at the end of his public ministry, Jesus says, I am the true vine. 
He was making the extreme claim that he was the way that we could be connected to God. He was the way that we could, be, we, could, we could abide in him, that we could be connected to him, that we could find life in him, that Jesus himself was the vine, that we are the branches attached to the vine, and that God himself is the vintner, that he is the one who prunes us to make us even more fruitful. Now, This is a long passage. This is a somewhat complex passage, 17 verses in all. And yet there is a way to understand it. There's a way to kind of see somewhat of a formulaic uh, chain reaction to this passage that helps me break it down and helps me understand it. And you're going to think I'm joking here, but it's actually based on a math property I learned in high school. Now, I'm going to be honest with you for a second. Math is not my strong suit. Right? There are a lot of subjects in school. Math was very close to the bottom at how well I succeeded in, in, in my coursework. In fact, in college, the worst grade I ever received was in a, a calculus class, my math class my freshman year. Worst grade I ever had in college because math just does not come easy to me. And yet, my high school uh, math class taught me something called the transitive property that I have never forgotten. I don't know why, but I have never forgotten it. And so I mention the transitive property when I see it out and about all the time. And it's actually kind of become a joke for me and my wife. She's like, what in the world is it about you and the transitive property? I don't know. I really don't know what it is. But I see the transitive property in this passage so strongly, and I want to show that to you. Now, I want to explain to you first what the transitive property is. And I understand that if I'm going to lose you at any point today, it will be in the next Two minutes as I try to explain the transitive property. So if you don't understand it, if I lose you, if I don't do a good job explaining it, just grit your teeth, go get more coffee and come back and I'll be done talking about it. But I think it's helpful for understanding how to unpack this passage. So if you're not familiar with the transitive property, the transitive property simply says that if A equals B and if B equals C, then A must equal C. Right? If, if the first thing is equal to the next thing, and if that thing is equal to a third thing, it just makes sense that the first thing and the last thing are equal to each other as well. Now, I'll give you kind of the math version of this. We've got the example here to pull up. Um, it's the idea, or, or the illustration I would use with math would simply be that if 2 plus 2, right, if that's, that's A in this case, if 2 plus 2 equals 4, and if 4 equals 5 minus 1, then it makes sense that 4 is B, 2 plus 2 then equals 5 minus 1. Okay, that's the transitive property. If A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Kind of a real-life example of this would be height, right? Height is transitive. So the illustration I would use in real life is very simple. Um, It's not very eloquent, but uh, we'll just say if my 12-year-old son Beckham is the same height as my wife Ashley, his mom, which he is, which he loves, and which she does not love quite so much. Uh, But if Beckham is the same height as Ashley, and if Ashley is the same height as her mom, Beckham's grandma, then it makes sense that Beckham is the same height as his grandma, right? Because if A equals B and B equals C, then it makes sense that A equals C. So Beckham's the same height as Ashley, Ashley's the same height as her mom, Beckham's the same height then as his grandma. That's the transitive property. Now, what I'm getting at is that the transitive property is, is seen in this passage in one incredibly long chain reaction where the beginning is equal to the fact or the point that Jesus is making at the end. And that's how I want us to break down the passage today. 
All right? So we're going to begin here with the first part of the transitive property simply being that true living equals fruit bearing. What, what Jesus starts this passage off by talking about is the fact that true life, life that is found in him only, equals a life of fruit bearing. And the passage that we'll read that kind of points to that is the very first two verses of the chapter, uh, John 15, verses 1 and 2. So if you're following along, go back to verses 1 and 2, where Jesus said, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. A few chapters before this in John 10.10, 10, Jesus tells us that he has come to give us life to the full, the abundant life. And, and now here we're being told how to experience that. We're told that Jesus himself is the vine and that we are the branches off the vine. At the most basic level in nature, the job of a branch is to produce fruit. That's why the branches exist off the vine. Jesus was saying the same thing was true for us, that at, at our core basic fundamental purpose is to simply bear fruit. I love this because this is a, a reminder and this is a reflection of the fact that you were not created to live dry, dead, fruitless lives. That's not what you've been called to do. That's not what you've been created for. That is not God's plan for your life. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And it is a plan and a purpose that involves a lot of fruit bearing. God wants you, he invites you, he encourages you to live a life where you see fruit in every season of your life, no matter what is going on around you, no matter how difficult the situation is, in every season of your life, you have been called to bear fruit, fruit that will last for all of eternity. If you're drawing air today, it's God's intention that your life would bear good fruit. That is an incredible thought, and it's true. I read a book uh, this past week called Scouting the Divine, written by a woman named Margaret Feinberg, where she goes and she spends time at a vineyard out in Napa Valley. And one of the things that she does is she spends an extended period of time interviewing and talking to a vintner about the pruning process. Well, the vintner talks about how the, the, when he would go to prune the grape vines, he would take extreme care. Now, this is not a job that can be done by a rookie. You don't just give a pair of scissors to somebody who's never been around a grapevine before and tell them to go, you know, just, you know, it'll be super obvious. Just go do your thing. No, that's not the case. It takes three years of intense apprenticeship before they would ever trust someone to prune the vine or the branches. And so in this case, in this passage, this is what Jesus is talking about the Father doing for us. The Father comes into our lives and he prunes us so that we will be even more fruitful, so that our lives will produce even more fruit. One of the things that we're told that the Father does is that he cuts away all of the dead branches, that he cuts away all of the dead things in us that don't produce fruit, that are not helpful for fruit bearing. And so as, as we think about this, I just want to simply ask you if there's anything in your life today that the Father needs to cut away. As you think about your own life, as you think about your own spirit, as you think about the season of life that you are in today, is there anything in you that the Father needs to cut away? Maybe that you've been holding back from him for a while, that you haven't been allowing him to cut away. Maybe it's something like regret or shame. Maybe it's something like anxiety or fear. Maybe there's some amount of unforgiveness towards someone that you have not 
that you've just been holding on to, that you've not allowed to, to pass away. You've not allowed yourself to extend forgiveness to that person. And so as a result, you're holding on to some unforgiveness. All of those things are dead branches that God wants to cut out of your heart. He wants to cut them out of your life so that you will be even more fruitful. We say all the time that God is a good God. And this is just one of the many reflections of that. He wants your life to bear good fruit. And he is there to help you experience that. True living, life in Christ, equals a life of fruit bearing. That's the first part of the transitive property. The next part, the thing that we see next in this passage, is the fact that fruit bearing then equals remaining in Christ. This is kind of the next step in the process that Jesus gives us as we look at verses 4 and 5. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So the question is, how do we live lives that bear a lot of fruit? The answer is very clear. We bear fruit by remaining in Christ. Now, some of the translations that you may be looking at, instead of using the word remain, are probably using the word abide. Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. Abide in me and your life will produce much fruit. And that's a really important word in this passage. In fact, Jesus uses the word, the Greek word that gets translated abide or remain. He uses it 10 times in this short passage. 10 times. That's a lot. I did a word study on this word uh, this week to kind of see what was really at the heart of it, what Jesus was really trying to get at when he called us to remain in him or to abide in him. And there's this really curious thing going on with how the word is translated. The Greek word that's translated remain or abide really should be translated as, you ready for this? Remain or abide. Yeah. It actually should be translated remain or abide. Those are actually fantastic translations of the word that Jesus was using because what Jesus was getting at was a call to remain attached to him. He was calling and encouraging us to keep ourselves firmly connected to him. He was calling us to remain or abide. The example I would give you would be that of a wedding ceremony. Right? When two people uh, get married, which you know, I love doing weddings. Actually, I'm going to be doing a wedding ceremony this Friday for uh, a couple of Heartlanders. And um, so when a, a couple goes through the marriage ceremony, at the end of the ceremony, we always sign the marriage license and we submit that to the state. And from that point forward, they are legally united to each other. And yet, those of you who are married understand there is a very big difference between simply being legally united to each other and actually experiencing communion together where you remain or abide with each other, where you are truly connected to each other in a deep way, in a meaningful way. And Jesus is encouraging us with the same thing. It is true that you can give your life to Christ, that you can submit to him, that you can be united to him, that you can ask for his forgiveness and for his grace, which is a free gift to you, and his grace will cover you and your sin, but that does not necessarily mean that you will experience deep communion with him in a never-ending way, right? You have to be intentional with that. You have to choose, and you have to take some steps to remain in him, to abide in him, and part of the reason that he calls us 10 times to keep ourselves attached or connected to him is because he promises us that if we do that, then we will bear fruit. 
A couple of verses later, he says that God wants you to produce fruit because it is glorifying to him when you do so. And so true living is a life of fruit bearing, and we bear fruit with our lives when we remain in him. The logical question then becomes, well, how do we remain in Christ? What does that mean? Do we just try hard? Do we just think about it? Do we just buckle down and, okay, I've remained in him? Well, Jesus tells us in verses 9 and 10, when he tells us that remaining in Christ equals obeying Christ. He says remaining in Christ equals obeying Christ. Verses 9 and 10, I want to read these to you again. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And here it is. How do we remain in your love, Jesus? He says, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus said, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Oh, 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 Jesus, obeying your, your commands, like, that's how we remain in your love? Why couldn't it be something easier, right? Why couldn't it be something maybe more fun, right? Why couldn't he have said, you know, hey, remaining in me means singing my praises. If you just worship me through music, you will remain in my love. Why couldn't he have said that? You know, why, why couldn't Jesus have said, listen, if you want to remain in me, pray a lot. Because when you pray a lot, that will equal remaining in me. Why, why, why couldn't he have said, you know, hey, the trick to, to remaining in me is to know a lot of intellectual information about me and about God the Father and his word. Why couldn't that have been the trick to remaining in him? Just if you study the Bible and if you know a lot of Bible trivia, that will equal remaining in me. I don't know. But that's not what he said. Jesus was clear that to remain in him, we must live the way he called us to live. Now, if you step back from that for a moment, you understand that makes sense. Because every discipline in life, everything in life, really has some rules that need to be followed. Whether it's playing a sporting event or, a, or an athletic competition, all the way to flying a jet airplane. Every discipline in life has rules that must be followed if we want to experience success. A jet airplane pilot dare not try to defy the laws of aeronautics. He can complain about the laws of aeronautics. He can bemoan the laws of aeronautics. But everybody knows that if an airplane pilot wants to experience the miracle of flight, he will have to abide and follow the laws of aeronautics. The same is true if we want to experience the life that Jesus invites us to live, a life filled with fruit bearing. It is thrilling, no doubt, to live that type of life where we experience fruit in our lives just the same way it's thrilling, I have no doubt, to fly an airplane. But the only way to experience it is to follow the rules. I'm using the example of flying an airplane because my wife is in the room and last time she flew on an airplane, she threw up. So I've just been thinking about that a lot lately. So honey, uh, that was for you. Sorry, I had to remind you of that. But yeah. So if you want to remain in Jesus... You have to live the way he called us to live. But here's the thing. This is not punishment, right? Living the way that Jesus calls us to live is not punishment. Living the way that he called us to live is literally the best way to live our lives. When you do that, 
He tells us that we'll experience production of fruit in every season. Who wouldn't want that? It's not a bummer or a drag to the way that Jesus invites us to live. It's just the opposite. It's a blessing. And we should be grateful that he tells us how to live because he gives us a peek behind the curtain. It's like he gives us the answers to the test ahead of time. We all want to live the best life we possibly can, but this overarching question in the back of our minds is like, well, how do I do that? We don't have to ask that question because Jesus tells us how to do that. He tells us the best way to live, and he tells us if we do that, we will remain in him, and if we remain in him, our lives will produce much fruit. So what does obeying Christ equal then? Well, the next thing that he teaches is that obeying Christ equals loving Christ. In verses 11 through 13, Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, that we would have his joy. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, to be fair, none of us like the word obey, right? Over time, in our language, it's gotten a bad rap. It carries a negative connotation. But at its core, obeying Jesus really is all about loving Jesus. For Jesus, these two things were completely inseparable. Just a few verses before we get to this, still in the farewell discourse in chapter 14, Jesus said, and I quote, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Because for Jesus, obeying him was never about doing what he said to do because we have to or because we should. For Jesus, obeying him was always based on the foundation of love for him. And we know that we love him because he first loved us. And because he loved us, and because of how good that love is, in return, in response to receiving that love, we love him. Because we love him, we naturally want to live the way he calls us to live. And that love for him is what leads to one of the greatest blessings we could ever ask for in verses 14 and 15. As we approach the end of this passage, knowing Christ. Jesus tells us that loving him, that loving Christ equals knowing him or knowing Christ. In verses 14 and 15, we read that Jesus said, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. How beautiful is that? That our love for Christ is, one of, is the thing that unlocks the blessing of being friends with Christ. And Jesus said being his friends means that we know him. He said that everything he had learned from the Father, he had made known to us. Why would he trust us with all of that? Because we're his friends. Think about that. Everything that Jesus had learned from the Father, he said, I have made it known to you because you are no longer my servants, you are my friends. And friends know each other's business. Friends know each other's thoughts and desires and feelings and insights. And Jesus invites us to be his friends. 
And so as I said, this entire passage lays out like one extended transitive property where if A equals B and if B equals C, then it must mean the beginning A equals the end C. Now I want to illustrate how this passage lays out that way again. He begins by saying that true living equals fruit bearing. And then Jesus explains that fruit bearing equals remaining in Christ. Remaining in Christ equals obeying Christ. Obeying Christ equals loving Christ. Loving Christ equals knowing Christ. Equals being his friend. And so as the transitive property says, if all those things are equal, if all of those things work as a chain reaction, then the first equals the last. Then we have true living simply equals knowing Christ. You have been invited to go through life connected to Christ on such a deep, intimate level that you are considered his friend and that you would know him in a significant way. You're invited to go through life where you literally hear his voice, not audibly, but where you know that God is speaking to you. He's he's leading you. He's guiding you. He's prompting you. He's prodding you. He's convicting you. God wants to speak into your life. God wants to sharpen you that way. You can know Jesus on that level. You can know God himself today. In fact, when Jesus was approaching the end of the farewell discourse, he takes the opportunity to pray to his father for all of us. He prayed for the circle of friends that were around him, but then he expands his prayer to pray for all of us, those who would come after those closest disciples. He said, that means me and you. And in that prayer, Jesus prayed to God the Father that we would experience what he calls eternal life. And in that prayer, he defines eternal life for us. This is John 17, verse 3, where Jesus says in his prayer to God, he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, know God, right? He wants us to know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Real life. Eternal life is to know God the Father and to know Jesus the Son deeply, intimately, personally. Hearing his voice, knowing not just a lot of information about him, but knowing him. And as we do that, as we begin to know him, no matter what crisis or pandemic comes along, we can have a peace that will carry us through. One of the greatest role models I know of for this is a French monk who lived in the early 1600s who dedicated his life to simply walking with Jesus, training himself so that over time he was able to fix his mind and his focus and his thoughts on Jesus literally every single moment of every single day. After his death, one of his close friends compiled a series of letters and documents that he had written talking about what he referred to as the practice of the presence of God. It's a very short book for us today, but it is well worth taking the time to read it. It's a book written by Brother Lawrence, or it's a compilation of documents and letters written by Brother Lawrence. But I want to share just one quote with you from this text. Brother Lawrence writes, There is no sweeter manner of living in the world than continuous communion with God. Only those who have experienced it can understand. Again, you are invited to know Christ. You are invited to know God. You are invited to experience real life by remaining in him and therefore producing a lot of fruit with your life. 
when the world is losing its mind all around you, you are invited and called to remain or abide in Jesus. I want to close with a simple exercise. And this is going to be a little funny, but I want you to actually follow along with me. Uh, Everybody in the room, mom and dad, I want you to do this as well. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold up your hand, okay? So everybody, hold up your hand. Now imagine that your body, right, the trunk, is, is the vine, right? That's Jesus. Now imagine that your arm is you. You are the arm, right? You are the branch attached to the vine. And imagine at the end of your hand, you are holding some fruit right? Literal fruit. Now, Jesus was talking about fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, some of these other things. We're told later in the New Testament that our worship of Jesus is part of the fruit of our lips, right? But right now, I just want you to imagine you're holding some fruit, okay? So I don't care what it is. It could be grapes. It could be an apple or banana or tomato for all you people who uh, don't think tomatoes are are fruit. They are. Um, But here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold your arm up. I want you to Imagine yourself, maybe you have to close your eyes for this now, but in your mind, I want you to imagine that that your body is the vine, you are the branch, and that in your hand you're holding some fruit. As you imagine that, as you picture that in your mind, which way are you looking? Are you looking down your arm towards your hand and the fruit, or are you looking back up your arm at the vine of your body? My guess is that most of you are imagining the fruit you're holding in your hand. Okay, now you can come back to me. Why is that significant? Why is that important? That's important because we live in a world where we have been trained to focus on the outcome. We live in a world where we have been conditioned to focus on the fruit of our lives. We live in a world that is external appearance driven. We, we worry about the external management. We worry about what people see. We worry about what we have. We worry about the fruit that's extending off of our lives. And yet that's the opposite of what Jesus called us to do. Jesus invited us to focus on him, the true vine, knowing that if we do that, he will take care of the fruit at the other end of our lives. If we worry about what we're connected to, if we focus on him, if we remain in him, if we abide in him, the fruit will take care of itself. We don't produce good fruit with our lives by simply trying harder. We produce good fruit with our lives by remaining tighter, by abiding closer, by staying more connected to Jesus. And so again, in the middle of this crazy deal that is going on around the world today, I want to invite you to focus on remaining in him, not the external things that are happening all around us. Who knows how long this will last? But what if at the end of the pandemic, at the end of the craziness, how amazing would it be if you could look back on this season of your life? How cool would it be if you could look back on this chapter of your life and go, you know what, that was crazy, that was something I'll never forget, like that's going to go down in history. But you know what's really cool about that season? I grew closer to Jesus. How cool could that be? To always look back and say 2020 was a year I'll never forget. That was the year of the COVID-19 pandemic. That was the year that coronavirus like 
cause society to come to a screeching halt. But what if at the same time we never forget that that was a season in our life where we became more like Jesus, where we were molded more into the image of Jesus? What if that was a season that we always remember, you know what, I was intentional with my time, not focusing on the fruit, but focusing on remaining more closely connected to him. How amazing would that be? If I could leave you with anything, it would be an encouragement to do that, to say, you know what, the next couple of weeks are going to bring a whole bunch of things, but one of the things that I'm going to be intentional that they bring is an opportunity for me to abide more in Jesus maybe than you ever have before. And to that end, your life will produce fruit automatically. Jesus said, I am the true vine. You are the branches. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your word. We're so grateful that you inspired John to document the farewell discourse for us. Lord, a passage of scripture that speaks so powerfully into our lives today. And so Lord, I pray for everybody who's tuning in right now, for all of us who are unpacking this passage together this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remain in you. I pray that you would help us to abide in you in a significant way. Lord, help us to give our focus and our intention to that. And may we come out the other side knowing that in this this season of life, we grew closer to you. And then would we see the fruit that's produced as a result down the road. But Lord, would it be glorifying to you as we grow closer to you as well. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone who agreed with this prayer said, amen. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. Stay tuned this week for some updates and some announcements. We're going to do our best to communicate with you very clearly. If you have questions about absolutely anything, just shoot us an email at info at heartlandsunprairie.com, and our team's going to be working all week. We'll respond as quickly as we can. And um, stay tuned. We'll give you details for next weekend. But have a great rest of your Sunday. Now go be the church to your friends and neighbors. We'll see you later.